0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster in these current times, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I am your host, Scott Challoner, and I'm joined on today's programme by Sajid Magal. Sajid is a director at Jap Performance Parts, a company which specialises in high performance Japanese cars, tuning parts, and spares. Sajid, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us today.
1: Thank you, Scott, for having me.
0: Thank you for taking the time, of course, to join us on there this fine day. It's certainly a very nice uh, day for it. Um, the purpose of this uh, discussion, Sajid, is to really understand your take on leadership. So, if we dive into that first and foremost and just look at that word leader in isolation, what does that word actually mean to you? How does it resonate?
1: Well, I guess in context of my role as director of a, of a small business, you know, we're a team of uh, eight staff. Um And my role as leader, I see as someone who provides guidance, support, direction, as well as a business to staff. I think it's equally as important to lead people as, as, as well as leading a business. So there's lots of elements of it in that respect. It's not just being a figurehead, I guess. It's um lots of sort of softer issues to support as well, looking after people's interests, um, work and outside of work too. Mm,
0: very important points there uh, regarding of course people management and safeguarding people's interests. As a leader it's incredibly important to be able to take people with you in uh, that regard and it's far easier to do that when you are of course obviously um, on an equal footing with them and really looking out for them in uh, that sense. And that I think, is no more relevant than it is now, of course, with the current COVID-19 situation. A lot of uncertainty, of course, a lot of worry and a lot of pressure on leaders to keep the communication channels open and really provide that vital reassurance for the future that their employees need. Um, How has that been for you, Sajid, in the last few weeks?
1: I, I think you you sort of mentioned one point there, which was the, the critical issue for me um mid March as soon as the lockdown was announced um we automatically started to look at sort of making our site secure, premises secure. but the key thing was how do I look after my staff and all of a sudden there was a bit of a panic if if our if our business is turned off, our tabs turned off, there's no income, business will shut down. How do my staff put food on table, how do they pay their rent and look after families? And it was a real it was a real panic for me, to be honest with you, at that time. And then as soon as, within a couple of days, the government announced the furlough scheme, that was a real relief. And we could take a breath and make sure that our staff were going to be looked over, looked after. Um, so that that certainly changed things for us and made things a little bit more comfortable to be able to deal with the issues coming after that. And we've put them on furlough. We commun- communicated with them throughout to make sure... Everyone involved is going to retain their jobs. This is critical because my staff, they're like family here. We're a small business. They've been loyal. We've been together for many, many years, and I wouldn't want any of them to go.
0: And do you think that they've um, responded well to uh, this uh, situation in the circumstances, Sajid? The reason I ask that question is because we often see in times of adversity that it really does bring out the best in those around us. And we've heard a lot of stories, of course, of people being brought closer together and really plugging away to keep things ticking over because, of course, their leaders are looking out for their interests.
1: That's true. And and having a loyal team is... is, um it's not easy to achieve and over the years we've obviously had many different staff come through the company so once you've got a good pool of people you've got to look after them and, and in the same way they look after you so we are a, a real team it's not just a, a boss and staff we all work together we we have our tea breaks together we, you know, we work side by side so it's a real sort of joint thing and, and I think they appreciate the fact that we've looked after their interests and made sure that they're safe and and catered for and they're all happy to come back um, obviously complying with the rules, the government of the guidance giving in, in managing the work uh, workplace safely.
0: Mm. And when it comes to the future as well, um, the new COVID secure guidelines um, are of course are forthcoming and there's been a lot of debate over how clear the new guidelines are really going to be and businesses again having to be flexible and adaptable um, to be ready for these changing circumstances. Um, do you think that Everything's been clear enough from the government point of view so far, and their leadership has been effective through this.
1: I'll be honest with you, my concern right now is interpretation. Having read the guidance Mm. um, on workplace safety, um, a lot of it is down to interpretation. And I'm finding within my industry particularly, generally, businesses didn't close like we did. Um, they kept the doors open. They were dealing with the public. And it's like I said, it's interpretation. If one business owner interprets things another way, um, they will allow people to interact. They will allow customers in. They won't manage things as carefully as, as others. And I think that's one of the things that's concerned me about the guidance. It's not been crystal clear. It's left, left things to interpretation, which I, I felt there's a risk uh, of people doing the wrong thing.
0: Mm, I can certainly see where you're coming from from that point of view, uh, Sajid. And, um, something that's really been uh, brought to the fore in this, um, debate, um, as well over uh, the COVID-19 response has been, um, proactive versus reactive in terms of uh, responses. Um, mm-hmm. reason being is because you mentioned, of course, the UK lockdown that began on the 23rd of March, of course. And a lot of people have compared that to, say, China or even Italy, where The Italian lockdown, of course, occurred from uh, as early as the 9th of March, and we took a little bit of a laissez-faire approach for the following couple of weeks before then imposing harder measures ourselves. Um, When difficulties do tend to arise in an everyday setting, Sajid, if we take that away from this situation for a moment and away from politics as a whole, do you tend to dive straight in and get on top of difficulties as and when they emerge? Or do you like to sort of sit back a little bit, see how matters develop, and then take action from that stage?
1: Um, I guess... difficulties I think as a business leader you've got to be decisive and I think we try and make decisions resolve things uh, in, in a general business scenario if you've got issues with, with, with products or customers or, or a situation like that I think the quicker you deal with it the, the, uh, the better it is and you can come up with a solution and, and move on sometimes delaying a, a decision to deal with a problem can cause ill feeling and and misunderstanding and so on so I, I think it's better to be decisive and quicker rather than let things belong.
0: And of course, it's been a very tragic time, uh, this whole uh, COVID situation, um, absolutely. But do you think that, in a way, there are some real positives to be taken from this? Not just obviously in the sense that we have this like kind of newfound unity, this new focus on health and well-being and mental health especially but also the fact that it's breeding resilience in those businesses that do get through it it's having leaders get experience in crisis management it's thrusting employees out of their comfort zones and in a way that's really helping in people's development isn't
1: it it is for sure and one thing i've started i'm not IT savvy uh about a month ago we started looking at alternatives to how do we run our business and we started looking online and working with a with a company in dubai a film company And they suggested we should be looking at groups. And it sort of sparked an idea, while things are down, while our customers, our European-based trade customers, businesses are shut, why don't we help them? And what we did, we set up a group um, to invite them in and invite industry leaders, business leaders, and manufacturers to come into the group, share their ideas, their strategies, their new products, their new services. So while things are quiet, we can learn new skills, learn new products, learn new services and offer these to our customers. And that's really taken off well. We've had so much support from business leaders, and what I do is I do a regular interview myself with them online, and our client base can ask questions, so an interaction thing. And that's really sort of taken off. And we're looking at lots of ideas to expand and explore this, to give something back while um, businesses are struggling, and hopefully give them new new ideas so when they come back out of this, they can come back stronger.
0: Mm-hmm seems very much um, that that's on the innovation side of things, and that's going to be incredibly important as business adapts to the uh, new normal as well, of course, uh, Sajid. And if well, we think-
1: it is. I think at, at this time we need to be innovative, and I, I'm looking at new ways of working. We're looking to have more of a digital presence, more than we ever had, um, and also allow our customers to be able to interact with us online. Our, our, our business is very hands-on. It's very face-to-face, and I see that as a struggle for this year at least, and maybe even longer, so we can if we can offer customers a um uh, an online way of interacting whether it's through video calls or or live chats or it's through just um, other media or we can present ideas that way then we should be exploring that
0: Exactly right. Um, I think it's very important for businesses to be adaptable and to innovate in order to not just, of course, assure longevity, but also just be ready for this uh, new way of working that's going to be the the case once we emerge from all of this. And based upon all the experience that you um, have accumulated, not just, of course, through this crisis, but also beforehand when you were working in business, um, if you were to actually give some advice to somebody in the younger generation who is about to maybe start their first day in a leadership role, what sort of advice would you give them?
1: Um, from my experiences in, in leadership, I've worked for government agencies in the past, um, and it's always been, my my approach to leadership always been part of a team. You have to lead from the front, but I think also be shoulder to shoulder with your staff um, and maybe work work a day in their shoes so you can appreciate that. I think they'll respect you for, for, for doing that too. Um, so it's not always leading, being a dictator at the top. It's, I think it's a bit of everything. It's having a mixed style, and sometimes... You have to be a social worker. Sometimes you have to be a a strict boss. I find every member of your team you have to deal with in a different way to get the best out of them. Um, Sometimes one style doesn't work for all
0: exactly right it's all down to people management isn't it in that respect and as you say one size doesn't fit all in that sense it has to take it takes a good leader to be adaptable to understand when one person needs one thing to motivate them and when one needs another for example an arm around their shoulder maybe a kick up the backside when necessary it's about knowing that isn't it knowing the people around you of course and of course and I think it's just as important as well as a leader to very carefully pick the people that you surround yourself with as well, isn't it? Because it's just as much about them getting the best out of you as their leader, as well as vice versa, you getting the best out of them.
1: That's right. I think over the years, I, I've changed my view to leadership as well. And um, as a younger person, always, you are know, ambitious trying to achieve for yourself. And and sort of sort of coming towards middle age now, running this business, I have a team, and um, I feel a duty to, to allow them to progress. So we've looked at courses, looking at apprenticeships to build up their skills. You know, we don't expect staff to stay with us forever, but if we can help their future progression in their, in their careers, then we should have some sort of social responsibility to do that as well. So we try and give something back to our staff where we can, so we they are qualified to move on to different things once they do decide to leave us uh, as and when.
0: And if we now think about the future, Sajid, and what that might hold before we do wrap things up on the uh, the programme today, do give me an idea of what you envision the next year will hold for yourself and for Jack Performance Parts as a business, and also what you hope to achieve, not just in getting through this current COVID situation, but also when we emerge from the pandemic and look into the future.
1: That's a difficult question to answer because there there are still so many uncertainties, but based on how this last two months has gone, we we have been as busy as ever as a business, although lots of other stresses and issues to manage around that. Um, I'd, I'm hoping this year we can sustain this level of, of, of business, although it's less than the part, start of the year. Um, I don't really envisage growth, but I guess that may be down to us to re- rethink why there isn't growth and look at innovative ways of, of trying to, increase business. So I think it's been a wake-up call in terms of technology, um, social media or digital presence. Those are the things which I haven't really considered. It's something I'm focusing a lot of my energy on now and will do for the rest of the year. And maybe that will be a new way of doing business and maybe the following year or the year after that will change how we approach our marketing.
0: Exactly right. Um, it's going to be really changing, uh, times, uh, Sajid, uh, for sure. And I think given how informative it's been, um, on the, uh, having you on the program today, I think it would be wonderful to actually catch up in the next year once we start to see how things are altering in that respect, just to catch up on how the, uh, the business is getting on and just discuss some of the new initiatives that you are getting involved in as well at that point.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to come back and uh, tell you what we're up to.
0: I think that would be fantastic. It's a shame that um, we don't have uh, more time uh, today on the uh, the program. Otherwise, of course, we could discuss it for hours, I'm sure. But it's been a real pleasure, Sajid, having you on the, uh, the program. I've really, really enjoyed it. And as I say, it's been an incredibly informative experience um, as well as anything else. And thank you for taking the time to come and share those views, not just for myself, but also for the listeners tuning into this.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you, Sajid. And do take care and do stay safe as well in the meantime with everything still going on for sure. That was Sajid Magal, director at JAP Performance Parts. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss. Sir Andrew is currently the director of cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board. During his playing days, Sir Andrew was England captain. He's one of only three England skippers, in fact, to have secured the ashes both at home and away in Australia. But he's also the England captain with the second highest number of test victories under his belt in history. And I hope you you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with him. That's coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White and today we're joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: The pleasure is all of ours. You know, Andrew, you've had a distinguished career, as I said, both on and off the pitch in English cricket, recognised not least with your knighthood
3: we won the Ashes, but also the day after, you know, that open-top bus parade around London, and to understand that we'd broken out of the cricket bubble, that, that just general sports fans or just people that were interested in in seeing England win at something were all engaged and uh, completely besotted by the whole thing. I think that's
2: such a key point, now because there's, there's so, there were so many people back in 2005 that may have not even given cricket a second glance
3: They'll feel comforted there'll be that degree of, sort of psychological safety or some or whatever it might you might term to, to make sure that the, the team comes together when the going gets tough. If they genuinely don't believe you care about them and you're in it for yourself, it um, doesn't matter how charismatic you might be, it doesn't matter you know how gregarious and, and how um, impressive you might be as a person, they will be wary of you the World Cup final was quite extraordinary.
2: I know some fantastically avid cricket fans who were Googling there and then what exactly the rules became. because I Yeah, well, so was, <laughs> it was I, I, actually. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, Andrew, in your, in your wife's memory, you established the Ruth Strauss Foundation last year. Uh, in doing so, whether you'd admit it or not, yourself and the foundation has become an inspiration to thousands, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Please do take some time, if you wouldn't mind, you
3: so after she died in december uh, 2018 uh, i came back and launched the foundation with two f- focuses number one to fund research into these rare forms of lung cancer these mm. are the non-smoking lung cancers um five to seven thousand people each year in this country are diagnosed with these no one knows why they're getting them um but they're on the increase and it's women And then the foundation is directly benefited hugely by the the funds raised. And um, we want to take it up a gear this year and, and make it
2: more of a community thing, not just the, the day at Lord's. Um, I even saw some of the stuffiest members of the MCC, Andrew, wearing, re- uh, wearing red. So it w- w- what an extraordinary yeah, thing. Well, a lot um, of them <laughs> wear red trousers anyway, <laughs> no, I think.
3: But um, actually, no, it, absolutely. Yeah. No, they, they were right behind us. And, um, you know, we, we really want that to be something that's embedded in in the English summer, uh, just like the McGrath Foundation days yes. in, in Sydney and in Australia. Well,
2: it's been a complete inspiration, um, and uh, i very much hope sure we can talk about that perhaps late in a few months as well. Absolutely. Um, before we go, as I'm conscious of the time, we uh, it's also an exciting year for domestic cricket, um, not least uh, because of the introduction of The 100, not without its critics, I should. And I know you're uh, a big proponent of it. Um, the Blast has clearly shown... Um,